Jagged rocks always tumbling And hold your grip so that you won't stumble Cause if you fall you'll go over the edge When you're cutting through that fearsome jungle Hungry eyes always watching You can't sleep or you'll never wake up There's things out there that will devour man Ooh, Things out there that will devour man Through that endless desert Searching for your promised land Trust your God and he will save you He'll lead you to water again What does it mean to forgive? Uh, to forgive means to just completely overlook what went wrong. Forgiveness is um, accepting a person for uh, what they've done. Just forget what they did and, and not hold it against them. Give them another chance. Look at them with new eyes. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Not take a grudge out on somebody anymore. Just let go of all, you know, your grudges you have against a person. Instead of choosing to hate that person, to love them, despite of what they did. Do you believe yourself to be a forgiving person? Um, yeah, I think I'm a pretty forgiving person overall. It's difficult for me to forgive them at first. It may take a while. I find myself uh, forgiving people, but finding a hard time forgetting. I've gotten mad at a lot of things before, but I find that uh, with time, I always forgive people. Do you think it's difficult to forgive certain people? I think it can be. Can you think of anybody that you're not willing to forgive? Um, yes. Um, some friends who, who I trusted personally and um, took that trust and used it the wrong way. My father and I have had several problems in the past and because he continues to not acknowledge that he's done me wrong, that's one reason, I, that's pretty much the only reason I can't forgive him. Do you believe that God is a forgiving God? Um, that's debatable. Different religions <laughs> have different ideas. I wouldn't say wholeheartedly, but uh, to a certain extent, I think so. Do you believe that God is a forgiving God? Oh, yeah. I wouldn't believe in a God that wasn't otherwise. He'll always give someone another chance. There's no way we could ever be perfect for him, so, yeah, he'd have to be forgiving in order to accept us as his children. What do you think it takes to be forgiven by God? Well, that's, everyone would say something different. I think that's between you and God. It depends what religion you are. Some people would say just to pray. Maybe go to your church or your mosque or your um, synagogue or whatever. What does it take to be forgiven by God? Um, a heartfelt apology. Maybe say like a verse from uh, your holy book, like that, along those lines. How do you think you can be forgiven by God? You realize that things can be better despite something that you may have done wrong, and you just find the strength to move on? Really, truly wanting to be forgiven and asking for forgiveness. If you do something wrong, just make it up to the person. Do you think it's necessary to be forgiven by God? In order to uh, um, uh, go on, I guess, and forgive yourself, you would have to know that God had forgiven you and, you know, to kind of take that weight off your shoulders. Do you think it's necessary to be forgiven by God? Yeah, yeah, it depends, like, if it was, like, a major, like, not a major, but, like, if it was a sin, 
then sure, you might have to go to that level. But if it's something minor, um, then you can do it between your friends and stuff like that. What does it take to be forgiven by God? Um, takes the blood of Jesus, that's all. I mean, there's nothing we can do but invite him in our lives. That's basically it, and just, just submit to him. So, what is forgiveness? That's what we'll be exploring for the next three hours. <laughs> and then we'll see if you'll forgive me. The uh, Lord's Prayer that Greg shared and you all said and you've said for years has a line in it that says, forgive us our debts as we dare we ask God to forgive us like we forgive those that aggravate us. That's tough. Our neighbor, our coworker, our friend, our sibling, our spouse. God forgive us like we forgive them. Many times a parent, many times even a child. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says this. Now this is right after the Lord's Prayer. Right after the Lord's Prayer, it doesn't talk about um, on earth as it is in heaven. It doesn't talk about your daily bread. It doesn't talk about temptation. It doesn't talk about uh, um, delivering us from evil. It says this. Matthew 6.14 says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But... If you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Isn't that amazing? Right after the prayer that you said, it talks about sin. Now, forgiveness isn't a natural response for us. What is? Revenge. Revenge, right? Because that's the thing that comes to our, our mind. Forgiveness can quite possibly be one of the hardest things we ever do, the hardest things we ever think about, impossible even. How do you forgive the rapist? How do you forgive the child molester? How do you forgive the person that was drunk and ran into your car and killed your, half your family? Do you? The company you invested a lifetime in which laid you off three months right before your retirement. How do you forgive that company? Why should we forgive? Can we really forget? Is it even worth it? I'm not sure. Well, hopefully this morning, the word of God will open up some of that to you. And we'll be thinking about this even as we walk out the door. So would you pray with me? Lord, this is a tough subject. And God, you are clear in your word. And Lord, I would just ask that you would speak through me, that your spirit would fill this room as we talk about this. And God, that you would soften some hearts this morning and some minds. We thank you that you are here. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, forgiving is hard, but forgetting is even harder. Forgiving is a process. There's healing that has to happen. But forgetting is even harder. Missionaries in the country of Labrador uh, had no word in the Eskimo language for forgiveness. So what they came up with was not being able to think about it anymore. That was their definition of forgiveness. Men forget and forgive. Women forgive but never forget. <laughs> oh, you laugh, but you know it's true. And there's a friend of mine, Brad Henning, who always does this, and so I'm going to do it right now. How many women in this room right now can remember something that happened to them in seventh grade that still bothers you? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four. Raise your hand. Remember something in seventh grade. Look at men. Probably about 20, 20 women. Seventh grade. Men, how many of you remember seventh grade? Okay. I, I asked that once in, in a talk that I did, and the person, somebody came up to me afterward, a guy came up to me afterward, and he said, I remember seventh grade. And I said, well, good. He said, yeah, both years. So... <laughs> Now, 1 Corinthians 13.5 says this. Love is not rude, self-seeking, not easily angered. But it ends with this. It keeps no records of wrongs. Now, everything kind of changes when we see the magnitude of the sins God has forgiven us. I want you to turn to Matthew 18, verses 21 through 34. And would you stand as I read this scripture this morning? Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I'll tell you, not seven times, but 70, 70 times seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owned, owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay his debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me. I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything, he, everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. 
This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Whoa. You may be seated. So you have the story, verses 18, 20, chapter 18, 21 through 34, but the, the kicker is verse 35. This is the way if my Father will treat each one of you unless you forgive from your heart. Now Peter, Peter was a stickler for uh, detail. He always wanted the precise meaning of everything. And you have to know about Peter, he, if you look through scripture, he probably needed to be forgiven more than seven times. There were a lot of things that, that he did wrong. And, and so he came up with this number. He says, Jesus, how many times should I forgive? Seven? He wanted a formula for grace. Well, he answered his own question, right? And seven's not a bad answer. Seven's a pretty good answer. How many times do we forgive somebody twice? Well, we are, I've already forgiven him. So seven's a pretty good answer. And the rabbis at that time said three. You have to, re, you have to forgive somebody three times, and then you can retaliate. <laughs> now, Peter wanted a limit. And in verse 22, what happened? Jesus disarmed him. He said, no, 70 times seven. 490 times you have to forgive somebody. Now, is that what Jesus meant, 490 times? No, he meant there's no limit. You don't keep score. You forgive somebody. And once you're forgiven, you're forgiven. Now, the truth of forgiveness without limits is tough for us to comprehend. So what happened? Jesus told a story. And so he told this story about this king. And he said, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owned him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. So what happened? The king sent out his guys. They brought this guy in that owned him equivalent to about $25 million. That's what the Bible says. Equivalent to about $25 million. And the guy gets out. No, it doesn't say how he built that debt up, but it does say it's that amount. And he says... King says, I'm, you, you need to pay me back. You need to pay me back everything. He couldn't. He couldn't pay that back. So what did King said, look, it, I tell you what. I'm going to sell everything. Your wife. Some of you guys are nodding. <laughs> your kids. All you owe. All you have. And you. And all your property. And verse 26 says he, he groveled. And he, he, he begged for his, his mercy. He didn't want everything to be gone. He didn't want to lose everything. Verse 27 says the king what? Took pity on him. And he forgave him. But he didn't just forgive him. He didn't just release him. He forgave the debt. He wiped the slate clean. 
he erased the books. To forgive is to cancel the debt. Unconditional, total release. As I was writing this, thought came to my mind. Every time you forgive someone, it's the first time. If you totally erase the debt, if you forgive somebody once more, it's the first time. To forgive is to cancel the debt, unconditional total release. Now note, the servant, did he deserve to be released? No, he was graced, wasn't he? Two kinds of people need forgiveness. The first is people that feel the burden because they've offended someone. That's me. I offend people all the time. I do. I step on toes. I say things that I you know, don't even realize that I do it. And, but my wife, God has blessed me with a woman that nudges me. Do you know what you just said? Do you realize what they're going through right now? Well, because my wife is involved in more lives than I am, I don't know what they're going through. And so, but she will tell me, they're really hurting right now. And you made that comment, and it just happened yesterday too, that, and I said, oh, I didn't hear that. I didn't realize I said that. Now, I grew up in a family of 11 people where sarcasm was an art form. <laughs> and so because of that, I make comments sometimes, but it's just my mind doesn't think. And so, but God, once again, God blessed me with a woman that uh, thinks. So, I, but here's the deal. And some of you know this, that I will come up to you. If I, if I feel I've offended you, I will come up to you and ask for forgiveness that day. I will not let the sun go down. You will get a call from me, or uh, I will come see you. I will never text you. I will never email you. You will hear from me. Now, I was talking to somebody this week that said, well, I need to forgive this person, but they live way in another state, and I'm thinking, don't write them. Don't, don't text them. Email them. No, don't email. <laughs> call them. I don't expect you to fly there, but call them. It's not going to be easy to do that. So if you have a burden because you've offended someone, take care of it. The second is the burden of anger because someone has offended you. You have that? Somebody, somebody in here feel that way? Somebody's offended you? And you still have that anger? Matthew 18, 15 says this. And I don't, it, it just go back a little bit in Matthew 18. It says this. If your brother sins against you, go, him, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. So if someone has wronged you, you have the responsibility to go to him or her and work it out. I think the Bible is pretty clear on that. Now, how many know who this person is that I'm putting up here right now? <laughs> All right. Now, sure, Simon Cowell. I'm going to take his picture down because he's a false idol. Put him, take his out. 
Now, Simon Cowell is the you know, producer and, and creator of American Idol and several other shows. But he's got a kind of a sarcasm similar to mine. That's probably why I don't watch him. But he um, had a woman. How many of you know who Mandisa is? The singer, Mandisa. How many of you know her? Okay, Mandisa is a woman that was on this show. Mandisa won the 2008 um, uh, singer of the year for, and got the Dove Award for the new singer of, uh, singer of the year. She is. She wrote actually and sang the song "Not Guilty," which are which is a theme song for our production. And she was on American Idol, and as she, and she wowed them. She's got this great gospel voice and just did a great job. And she, uh, as she was leaving the stage, Simon Cowell. Comment, commented on her size. She's, she's a big woman. And he said, I hope we have a bigger stage this year. Mandisa didn't hear that until she watched the show and she saw that. She was invited back. So, here's what she said. It was my worst fear come true, says Mandisa. It's been the biggest struggle of my life. And because it's something I feel so vulnerable about, vulnerable about, for him to have said that, for it to air on national television, I was devastated. After the show was over, just a bunch of my friends gathered around and they began to pray for me. They began to pray for Simon. They asked the Lord to have mercy on him. And they began to ask the Lord to help me to forgive Simon. I realized in that moment that this was about so much more than me and my hurt feelings. Mandisa began to realize that this was an opportunity for her to glorify God. You hurt me, she said to Simon on the next show. It was painful. It really was. But I want you to know that I have forgiven you. You don't need someone to apologize in order to forgive somebody. I figured that if Jesus could die so that all of my sins could be forgiven, I could certainly extend that same grace to you. This was also on national TV. Simon said he was humbled and gave Mandisa a hug. I knew, I knew telling him that I forgave him would kind of disarm him. And he, that he would be graced. I didn't know if he'd, ever, if he'd ever felt that before, said Mandisa. Now, there are three action steps to forgiveness. After prayer, because there is a healing time. Meet your friend or foe face to face. Own the wrong. In, in sports, in basketball, when I played basketball, it was like if I made a bad pass or, or followed somebody, my bad. How many said that? My bad. That's what you do. Say it's my bad. Own up to it. And then ask for release. Now, what does that mean? In marriage counseling, when I, when I do that, and even in my own marriage, my wife and I, when we get on each other's nerves, which doesn't happen more than 6, 70 times a day, <laughs> we have learned 
not to say, I'm sorry. Of course you're sorry. And the hurt party knows you're sorry. Being remorseful is positive. But saying I'm sorry is a one-way conversation. Asking for forgiveness, asking for forgiveness requires a response and a solution. Say the words, will you please forgive me? No big deal, don't worry about it, not a problem. That's their response, right? No, I appreciate that. But I need your forgiveness. It's important to be released from the debt. Forgiveness is a process of giving up. It means to give by releasing from debt. And it also is the idea of releasing and freeing yourself. Now let's talk about when we need to forgive others. Let's go back to that story. And, and the forgiven man runs into a friend that owed him money, about 10 bucks. It was kind of equivalent to that. Comparison to the 25 million that he owed. Okay? Matthew 28 says he grabbed and choked that person that he ran into that owed him 10 bucks. Right? Grabbed and choked him. And he says, pay back what you owe me. Sound familiar? That's what he was told. Jesus continues, and the man fell to his knees, pleading. Almost the exact same words. Be patient with me. I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison. Now, when someone does something to us and we refuse? Do we throw them into prison? Do we have them uh, arrested and thrown into a squad car and they, they take off? No, not necessarily. But we do throw them into prison. What do we do? Silent treatment? Sometimes 30, 40 years there's that pain. Sometimes there's someone that back that in your path that you've never forgiven Verbal assaults, gossip, avoidance. Are you holding someone hostage right now? There's a German poet by the name Heinrich Heine. He, this is what he wrote. My nature is the most peaceful in the world. All I ask is a simple cottage, a decent bed, good food, some flowers in front of my window, and a few trees beside my door. Then if God wanted to make me completely happy, he would let me enjoy the spectacle of six or seven of my enemies dangling from those trees. <laughs> now, I would forgive them all the wrongs they have done me from the bottom of my heart, for we must forgive our enemies, but not until they're hanged. Do we hang our people? Do you have some trees in your yard? Yeah. Let it go. We all have barriers of an unforgiving heart. Revenge, resentment, remembering. Revenge, I'm going to get even. How many are the get, get even type? Don't you love it? I, I never get mad, I get even. Okay. 
resentment, I'm going to stay angry. And the remembering, I'm not going to forget. Okay. So let's go on, verse 31. It wasn't the fact. What happens, other servants saw what happened, right? And so they saw him, and, and they went and told the king. Now, it wasn't the fact that he didn't forgive this guy that, that upset them. He, it was the fact that he was released from 25 million bucks. And this guy only owed him 10. That's the thing that bugged them. Now the king was really ticked off. Really ticked off. In verse 32 and 34 it says this. The master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Now, the next verse is what just gets me. And what happened to that man will happen to each and every one of us unless you forgive your brother from your heart. It's kind of like the verse after the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? The torturers will come and take us away if we don't forgive. Now, what are those torturers? I'm going to read some things off. I want you to raise your hand if you have this. Anger, bitterness, frustration, ulcers, high blood pressure, migraines, back pains, tortures that lie you, make you lie awake at night, an unforgiving heart that sucks the joy out of your life. Here's the rub. While we often try to punish and imprison those who hurt us, the reverse actually happens. They're not even thinking about you, but you are. When we truly we forgive, we set a prisoner free and then discover the prisoner we set free was us. Now, we're a lot like that unforgiving man in the story that Jesus told. We stand before a holy God with our sins piled up higher than Mount Trashmore. Just as hundreds of trucks deposit their trash each day on this heap of garbage, our sins pile up before God. Our sins are like a $25 million debt, million dollar debt that we can never repay. And even though our debt had been paid by the blood of Jesus Christ, we refuse, in many cases, to forgive those who trespass against us. Showing no mercy, taking prisoners, and being tortured. Now remember, Jesus says to you, go out, face your friend, point out the wrong." And release him from it. In closing, I'll tell this little story. Ernest Hemingway wrote in this story. It's called The Capital of the World. Ernest Hemingway loved the country of Spain. And he tells of a father and a son who had stopped talking to one another. Things got so bad that the son had left home. And after several years, the father wanted to mend the relationship. So he looked, and he looked everywhere in the, in the country 
for his son, but when he came to the capital of Madrid, he decided to go to the newspaper office and, and take out a big ad in the newspaper that said, Paco, please meet me at 12 noon tomorrow in front of the newspaper office. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. The next day at 12 o'clock, there were 800 men named Paco standing in front of that building. I suspect that we have some Pacos here this morning in need of forgiveness. We also have some fathers who need to give the gift of forgiveness to others. Would you pray with me? Lord, help us to know exactly what it means to forgive somebody. And Lord, give us the strength. Give us the patience and the healing that we need to have to go to somebody and ask for forgiveness or to face that person that has wronged us and forgive them. Lord, may your spirit and your word work in the hearts of your people today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And what a perfect time to celebrate the Lord's Supper. If you look at the table, it says, in remembrance of me. And that's in remembrance of what Christ did so that we could be forgiven for all that we have done, the sins that we have done. And I would like to share a scripture with you that fits with what Scott has been sharing that has to do with our responsibilities with communion. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and this is what is written. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man or woman ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. And in recognizing the body and blood of our Lord, we recognize our need for forgiveness. We recognize that we need to confess the sins that we have committed. And then as we take the bread and take the cup, we give thanks that Jesus paid that price for us. And so as we take communion today, we're going to spend a significant amount of time in prayer. And normally, as our tradition, we take the bread and we hold it, and we take it together. As the elders are sharing, they're passing out the, the bread, I'm going to lead us in a corporate prayer, the whole body praying together for forgiveness, basically of what we as a whole body of Christ need forgiveness for. And then when we take the cup, we traditionally take it as we feel led. And during that time, I would ask for your silence, that we spend time examining ourselves for the sins that we have committed, the forgiveness we need 
to offer to others and to ask for ourselves. And then as you feel led to take the cup and remember the promise that Jesus walks with us through the difficult times of asking and receiving forgiveness and giving forgiveness to others. So if I could have the elders come forward, if I could have Scott come up to help, as well as Greg, is Greg here still? Greg Newark, that would be wonderful to help. And just go ahead. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given, broken for you. Each time that you take this bread, remember, remember the sacrifice. Remember that this was given for you. Elders, I would ask you to serve the bread. I'm going to lead us in prayer just as I'm praying. If you would pass the bread, that would be wonderful. So would you all join me in prayer? And as the bread is, is brought to you, just take a, a piece and hold it. If you would pray with me, please. Lord God, forgive us. Forgive us for, as a body, together in this place, holding in our hearts things that are not pleasing to you. Father, holding things against others that are seated here or who will be coming later. Lord, resentments that are there, complaints that we have. Lord, the way that as we come together in this place to worship you, we make it all about us and not about you. Lord, forgive us that we guard our time so closely that we don't make the time you ask of us to reach out as a body of Christ to one another, to our community. Lord, there are so many in the community who are hungry, who are sorrowful, who have no hope. Lord, so many who have lost jobs, who have broken families. And Lord, we are your missionaries. Sumner Presbyterian has an opportunity in this community. You've, you've had us here for over 130 years. And yet, Lord, if something happened to us, would they miss us? Lord, help us to, to know what it is you would have us do. Forgive us for not making a priority of reaching out to this community. And Lord, beyond Sumner, be it Bonnie Lake or Auburn or Tacoma or Ording or wherever we are from, that we come together in this place, Lord, there are hurting people. Forgive us, Father, for not reaching out and sharing your love and your forgiveness. Lord, in this country, there's a difference we can make. But Lord, it's so easy to not do that. It's so easy to turn off the news and put down the newspaper and to do nothing but complain. Lord, forgive us. We are called to be your people. And Lord, for the world, so many who are hurting, help us as a body of your believers to reach out and to be your agents of mission and forgiveness and hope and joy to the world. 
Lord, thank you for the sacrifice you have made for us. Let us not take it lightly. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Elders, if you'd come and got me ready. Let us take and eat together the body of Christ and rejoice that we are forgiven. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he poured out the wine and he said, this is my blood which is shed for you. Take and drink and remember. Remember that Jesus shed his blood so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be washed of that sin. As the cup is passed you, I ask you to pray individually. Take the cup as you feel led, but to spend time in silence with God and have him speak to your heart, please. 